Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotion, emotion regulation, anxiety, resilience. I have a wonderful guest today, Iris Van Nespen. She's a mother, a physician. She's worked in different places around the world and loves sharing about what she's learned about living a life true to ourselves as a complete human being on this beautiful planet. She's a life coach that focuses on joy, and she believes that when we're truest to who we are, we can change the world through joy and through kindness. And it's in those moments that we give the best and the most of who we are. And this is such an important topic, even though I focus so much on kids' resilience and their emotions regulation, we know that the adults in those kiddos' lives, whether therapist, teacher, coach, parent, they need to be in their best capacity, well-rested, getting their needs met to be able to co-regulate and be effective in working with these kiddos and being with these kiddos and supporting these kiddos. And so this is such an important topic because I'm I'm hearing this burnout more and more. I mean, it was a thing before COVID and through COVID and since we're still seeing this after effect and it's affecting all of us. And so many people are on this brink of Uh, burnout, I call it brownout phase, right? And so we need to be able to address ourselves and to support ourselves to be able to support our kiddos and model good, you know, healthy emotion regulation skills. So thank you for joining me today. I hope that you enjoy this discussion. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I am very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. The excitement is goes both ways. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't we start by um, having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I'm Iris and I'm a mom of three amazing kids. The youngest one is six and the oldest one is going to be 14 now. I'm an emergency physician and I also started to do transformative life coaching a few years ago after I went to burnout myself. And I discovered self-development and how important emotions are and your emotional regulation and how it just completely changes your life, the quality of your life. And so that's that's become my passion, to be honest. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of my, my free time and I do, do a lot of studying about it because I think it's so interesting and we humans are so fascinating mm-hmm. in different like in positive sides and in negative sides and you're like how does this work and I, yeah it fascinates me well so- and 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 I want to jump into that and I think that there's so many things just thinking about like our own well-being and then how that translates into our family and our roles as parents and 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 as a physician you know how we can support if we're working with clients or families or patients um but I just want to take a step back cuz right bef- before we start recording we had a brief little conversation and you were talking about, I think a common phenomenon where I call it brownout, right? Where we're like, I'm not burnt out yet. I'm on the verge of burnout. And I think that so many of us kind of perpetuate that. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And how long do we have to wait? Is it until, I don't know if you know Dr. Gabor Mate, but he talks about when the body says no, that's when our body is just like, you are done. Everything is going to completely shut down because I think we keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So um, maybe we can just take a step back 
you know, and just start looking at the signs of burnout first, maybe like how we're going onto that path. And then we can look at the other side once we're there. So, so Gabor Mate, he doesn't know it, but he's one of my mentors. <laughs> I I really and, yeah, yeah. love, love reading his books and looking at what he does, because I think he really hits the nail there. Like, exactly where where it needs to be hit and i also believe that in medicine we we don't go there most of us we don't even know that it exists and i think we we lose a lot of um quality of our profession by not going there so by not looking at the mental history the the history of your patient trauma wise mental health wise and exactly like I didn't, this part you didn't know yet, you don't know yet, but um, I was working really hard um, and I had, we had, I had a, my third baby, a house that was completely renovated and I was working and I was full on, but I was feeling so stressed. I'd never feel that, felt that stressed in my life. And I had done other things that were far more magnificent than that. Uh, but one day I was working a 24-hour shift because we doctors, we do crazy things like that. And half of my face went numb. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really believe what I was feeling. And it was quite busy in the emergency room. So I went to the bathroom and I checked if I could still move my face, which I could. So I concluded I didn't have a stroke. And I went back to work and I didn't tell anybody. And it took me two months to actually further investigate and the, I did I finally did an MRI and it showed I had a tumor in my brain which was luckily for me was was uh, benign so it wasn't a bad one it was a meningioma and that still didn't stop me so I had it removed I had neurosurgery I had it removed and I told my surgeon in two weeks time I'll be, I'll be back on the floor and he said, ah, that's a little bit, yeah, because I was like, they're not cutting in my brain. It's above, yeah. And so I went back after eight weeks because I, but I went home three, di- three days after my surgery. I was home, I was doing everything again, and then I kind of crashed. But it took me one year to realize that when I had this tumor, it was a period of my life I was the most stressed and overwhelmed and like, couldn't move by from time to time Mm -hmm. it took me one year when I was walking with my with my husband and he's not a he's not a doctor and so we were taking a walk and I looked at him and I said it's quite weird that I had this tumor when I was the most stressed of my life should it do you think it could like be like it would be a consequence of my stress and he looked at me and he was like do you only realize this now? Yeah. And then that is one of the pivotal moments in my life that I started to realize this. And that's also when I found Gabor Maté. Because mm-hmm. before that, I didn't believe in the links. We are taught that there is no link between what happens in your life and the illnesses you develop. But of course there is. I mean, how could there not be yeah. how could there not be if your body is constantly in an environment of stress and stress hormones every cell of your body is 
influenced by what is happening in your blood, what is happening in your brain, what is, so I think, yeah, I, and I always thought I was quite open, open-minded, and still that part, I would just like, ah, shuffle, right. shuffle aside, yeah. It's, so it's so fascinating. I'm reading a Dopamine Nation right now. I don't know if you've read that one, but she talks about, um, how, you know, in the world war, there were doctors and there was one doctor who was taking, I mean, there's so many stories of ones they had run out of, um, medicine and were just injecting, you know, saline solution as they were doing surgery <clears throat> and patients were fine. They, they thought that they were doped up. Right. Um, but just how they thought about their pain. And so these soldiers were coming in with life-threatening wounds, but didn't feel much pain on a, you know, scale of one to 10, it wasn't very high because they were thinking this means safety. Me being in the hospital means safety from being out there on the front lines versus there's a story of a man, I think it was in the 90s sometime, who was on a construction site wearing, you know, the construction boots and uh, stepped on a nail and he could see it come right up from the bottom of the boot up to the through the top. And he's screaming in pain. And so the doctors are asking him on a scale of one to 10, how bad is your pain? It's 10. It's terrible. So they doped him up with opioids and whatever else. And then they cut away the boot and the nail didn't even penetrate. It went right through his toes, didn't even go through his foot at all. No damage. So just the power of our thoughts, right, on what is happening and how we frame things. And we know if we think about stress positively, it actually sends out into our body more DHEA and oxytocin and other chemicals versus if we think our stress is bad, it's going to send out more adrenaline and cortisol and things like that. So it is fascinating. I mean, th that's a whole other podcast episode that we could go it into. Is, and <laughs> it is. And at the same time, it's so, so important to know this because it's another tool to actually switch what is happening inside of your body. So right. when you know that when you have fear and you change it in excitement, that your body is actually not really so not suffering. Whereas if your fear is fear and anxiety, it is suffering. So it's it's I, I find it fascinating to know it. I can't always make it work. Yeah? Sometimes there is just fear and it's just fear. But the moments I, I'm able to switch my fear into excitement, oh, it feels so good. Yeah. So it's also a tool when people know that uh, if you have to speak in front of a public or something like that and you say, oh, I'm so excited instead of like, oh, this is so scary. It changes the way you will perform as well. It's also a performance issue. I, for me, people don't have to perform. I'm not like you have to be a high achiever. That's not my <laughs> my gig. <laughs> I think it's good when you but I believe you hi achieve high when you feel joy when you feel good in your skin you will become a between speech mark high achiever because it's something that comes naturally not because you have to right so right yeah yeah so so on this, I mean, just so people don't have to wait until they have a brain tumor, are there, <laughs> you know, if someone's wondering if 
why well, I suspect if they're wondering if they're in burnout, they're probably there, but things that we could be looking for. And then maybe, you know, what are those steps? How do we start making that shift towards transformation? Okay, for me, one of the things that um, it took me, it took me a few years to really realize I was burning out more and more and more. Um, but for me, at one point, I asked myself, where's my joy gone? That was for me so important. Like, it's not that I was depressed. I wasn't. Um, but those deep moments of joy where you, like, your whole body just warms up and you have this deep feeling of, ah, this is so amazing. That didn't happen that much anymore. And there's always joy when you have kids because they're just like wonderful but i was i wasn't very often present i was often there but i wasn't present so when i would play with them my head would be somewhere else and what i discovered as well is when you burn out you actually numb yourself because you can't you don't want to feel all the feelings because when you Numbing is actually a little easier than being anxious, for example, because you don't feel it. But when you numb out the bad, you numb out the good as well. So when I realized that, like, I I really, I was yearning for joy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I heard Tony Robbins say, the quality of your life is the quality of your emotions. And I was like, the quality of my life for the last few years has been overwhelm and stress and I don't choose this and I believe that it's a conscious decision it's a conscious decision like you to look at yourself and see what is happening in my life how am I behaving what am I feeling what am I doing do I want this and then make the decision if you don't want it because it's always your decision to change it and then often you need help I needed help. Um, I got help from coaching, from group coaching, from doing, from reading. I read a lot of books that just like fed me and still are feeding me. If I don't read enough, I feel myself again, like, yeah, I need to read to, to fill myself up and to give to yourself. I didn't fill myself up. I didn't read anymore. So my one of my passions is reading. And um, since my children were born, I almost didn't read anymore because sitting on a couch with a book is like doing nothing. Or sitting on a couch with a book, I would not be there for them, which also doesn't make a lot of sense. Or I would be too tired. So I had all these excuses not to do what actually fills me up and then when you're empty you can't give from an empty cup you need to <laughs> so that's another thing I would say like if you feel like for me one of the other points was also and I still get tears in my eyes um at one point so I have three amazing kids but at one point I had this feeling from just leave me Give me space, leave my body alone for a few minutes, for half an hour, which is something I didn't want to feel. But I felt like, 
you know, sometimes when one of my kids would climb on my lap, I would feel like, not now. And that was also for me a moment to say like, this is not normal. This is not who I am. This is not the mom that I am because being a mom is, I think, one of the most important things I can do in my life. And that's also when I took two days, I went to Paris by myself. And it, those things just change everything. You're like, okay, I haven't been with me for, I don't even know when I was with myself for the last time for more than half an hour. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's just it. I mean, the analogy I often use is we can't help our kids, for example, until we like, if we're the airplane analogy, we have to put our own oxygen on first before we can help anybody else. And, you know, I have so many parents who will come to me wanting me to help their kids with emotion regulation, but parents aren't even able to regulate their own emotions and cope with stress. And, you know, so that's so important that we're talking about this, you know, being able to take that time. Um, there's something else in there that you had just said. So this is my burnout. Memory goes, right? Like you just can't memory. remember. Anything. I started with memory <laughs> courses. I honestly I started taking memory courses because I thought I was going, I was having precocious Alzheimer or something because nothing sticked. <laughs> I took that... courses to prove to myself that my memory was still working together yeah. with food and rechanging my diet and stuff like that. But I was like, I you tell me something and it's gone. How is this possible? Well, and it's funny that we'll jump to other conclusions, right? Because mm -hmm. I am, I'm terrified, dementia, Alzheimer's, my kids are making fun of me. And I'm like, it's probably just burnout, right? We just need to slow down and take stock. And sometimes we know that we're in it, but we keep going and going and going. And so it is um, a, that point of taking a step back. And I love that you talked about just doing those things that are so, that fill your cup, because I talk and I have talked a lot on the show about behavior activation, even for our kids. That's such an important part of proactive strategies to prevent things like depression is making sure we are regularly engaging in things that I call it mood induction, right? We're inducing positive, pleasant, even just content feelings rather than getting you know caught up in that spiral of anxiety and stress and everything else like that that, that goes on. Um so yeah, those are all very important, but it's just the awareness first and then taking those active steps. Like I'm like we're when you're taping this, I'm I'm in Belgium, so it's for us it's the night and summer has started again, which is amazing. So what we organized tonight, so after we finished, I'm going to go back down in the garden. We put mattresses there. And they put up a big she white sheet and they're watching a movie. First of all, we made a fire. We made, we had um, veggie burgers on the fire and s'mores. And now they're watching a film, a movie. And we're going to sleep all of us outside under the stars. Wow, that's amazing. Because I'm like, yeah, we need to, it's so important to have these experiences that you, that these unforgettable experiences and so my husband and I, we decided we want at least once every, we would love once every month, but it, it's the, the limit is once every two months, do something crazy, fun that you normally don't do. So you have at least six to eight experiences in a year with your family where you actually make 
memories that are unforgettable. So I love that. Yeah. One of my things that I'm doing now, my my focus when I, I'm I'm also coaching now, and my focus is on joy. Like mm-hmm. what what brings you joy and do more of it because this is what is going to fill you up and this is what is going to give you more. I don't like resili- the word resilience because I think a lot of us are very resilient, but it's going to give you more leeway when it's when things don't go well. Because you have all these moments of joy and you know that in the end, it comes out of you. It's inside you. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go and get it somewhere else. It's by looking at your kids smiling. Oops, Mm -hmm. you give yourself a moment of joy. By looking at the beautiful flower and just stopping instead of rushing, you stop and you look at it and you smell it. Sometimes people think I'm crazy in the street. (laughs) I know my girls are always calling me a hippie because I will just stop. Like, let's just look at this tree. Right. And they're just like, such a hippie. (laughs) Let's just smell this rose. And it gives you like those few moments of joy. And it's not the rose that gave you joy. It's you, you know, it's inside us. We just tend to forget. Well, I feel so bad that we've pulled you away from your, movies under the stars um well this was this was your first (laughs) (laughs) well but that that sounds wonderful and it's really like it's mindfulness it's being here right we get pulled out of joy and out of life when we're in the past worrying about what we should have done could have done trauma or worrying about what's to come in the future so it's all about that mindfulness piece so you know if you're working with a coaching client, for example, what would you do? What are some of those, if we we're going to look at some of the first steps just to bring back joy into our life? Mm-hmm. And and I also wanted to touch on your term um, health style too, because I think that's a, a big piece of this that we haven't quite addressed yet either. So my first, the first thing I, I, I share is what is your emotional home? And I love this concept of emotional home. It's the one that got me started is um, what is the set, the emotion or the set of emotions you are spending most of your time in. Mm-hmm. And when you look at people, most people, it's anxiety, fear, stress, um, anger is a big one as well. And it's to take stock of this emotional home and to see that if things get worse, if you're it's like your 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 emotional home is at about 70 degrees. It's comfortable, it's not too hot, it's not too warm, but it's comfortable, but it's not really beautiful most of the time. <laughs> I always say it's a little gray. Um, and then if you turn down your thermostat and you become really depressed, at one point you will notice and you say, oh, unconsciously, and you say, oh, this is not me. And you will go back to your state of anger or sadness. But the thing is, when your thermostat is higher and your the your home is getting warmer and warmer and it's nicer and in the end you're sipping i always say you're sipping your mojito on the beach <laughs> and it's so cool at one point your brain is also going to say oh this is not normal what is going to happen when is the next what, what is going to go wrong and unconsciously you will turn down your thermostat to your emotional home your anger your sadness and when you're not aware of that it, it happens automatically. But when you know this is going to happen, you can prepare for it and say, no, I'm happy now. What have I been doing? 
how have I created this joy? And when you become, again, it's awareness, aware of it, you can actually prevent your thermostat to, from being turned down. But it's all about, like you said before, the awareness and what would I love? How would I love to feel most of the time? What would I love my emotional home to be and create a new one? And that, like I always, you just said, I always say, where is your, where are your thoughts most of the time, past, present or future? And then start to choose moments of joy. You can induce them. You can put on music and dance with your kids. In the beginning, they're going to think you're crazy. But like if you start dancing, after five to ten minutes, everybody will be dancing with you. So it's it's creating those moments, um, especially if they haven't been there for a long time. Because yeah. And I think you can make rituals out of it, you know, mm -hmm. for, for families, like we used to have a Friday, actually you say dancing, it was a Friday dance, mm -hmm. like it's to shake off all of the stress of the week, but we would each get a, to choose a song that we would all sort of dance to. So you can make rituals, but then just being purposeful every day when you see a flower, I'm going to stop and smell it. So just taking those small little moments as well. I, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And realizing the other thing is as well that um, for me, another big shift has been when you, you love somebody, when you give love, you feel love. So you don't always have to receive it from the other person, especially when you have teenage kids, they will shrug you off or like, oh, ma'am. But the fact of like telling my son, I love you. And I take him in my, my, in my arms. And even if he does like that, I know that I've given my love and it feels so good. And that shift in my head as well, it gives, it gives me again, a moment of joy. So there's so many things you can do to create those moments of, of yeah, inner, inner peace as well. And I also believe that's one of my theories um, that you are your true self when you feel joy. That is truly who you are. All the rest is also part of you. I mean, we we have all these emotions and they're all really important and we all need to feel them. But the person that you are truly deeply inside is when you feel this joy, when you don't, when you're not envious, when you're not judging, when you're not, that is really, I think, who you are and who you probably were when you were two, three years old. You know, that kid that is still so beautiful to watch because <laughs> you're in a state of there's no judgment or mm -hmm. you know like any worry you are just here and now and I think for some people you know we we drag this out this brownout stage burnout mm -hmm. so long and I work with so many parents or individuals and even kids who are like, I don't even know. Well, kids, I think they just go to screens and nothing else in the world will ever capture their attention. But they just feel like, I don't know what brings me joy anymore. So I think it's a little bit of experimentation and that's okay. It's just going and trying. And I love your idea too of try something completely new, something totally out of the ordinary, you know, and, and just kind of set it up as an experiment. Um. So with all of this to say, is this part of that health style or is the health style something different? I think it's part of it. I think um, being healthy, so 
like health style for me is living a healthy life and health is not only mental it's physical it's I think even now when I started coaching like spiritual not religious but knowing that um, there is this life force in you that is just like not only in you when when you look at plants as well sometimes I'm just like what is happening like if you take a, a, a a stick from a tree or from a plant and you put it in water it gets roots it's still alive or when you have your ginger and it starts sprouting like how long has a ginger not been in the soil it's still there is something that is still living and i i think that is also part of life so this awe about our beautiful planet i think we lose a lot of it by just being so busy so for me that's also health style connecting back to mother nature I also believe that a lot of people are, most people that are not feeling well is also because they lack the connection, this direct connection with nature. Because a lot of us think we are above it, but we are just part of it. We're one piece of the whole, this whole, yeah, it's not a puzzle, but like if, the, if you breathe, the trees take your breath and give your oxygen for you to breathe. How amazing is that? We breathe each other's breath. I mean, that's also health style. And food. And I think in medicine, for example, we, I never learned about food. Like we, it's not nutrition, it's not really in our repertoire. Um, personally, I've always been quite conscious about food, but not still when I look back at five years ago, I was still eating quite a lot of, processed food and sugars not a lot I, more than I do now and so when I started I say always waking up I really started to look as well at what I was eating and and I followed this course about yeah mostly plant-based eating and what sugar does with you and so I quit sugar we in our family now are mostly plant-based not that we are not completely vegan but mostly and when I started that, my my brain fog, like you were, we were talking about memory, just went away. It went away. And I don't know if it's only the food or also the mental health, but it went away. And for example, we I almost, I still drink from time to time a glass of alcohol, but it's like once a month, once every two months, because the next morning I wake up and even if it's one glass of wine, I'm not as fresh as the day before. And I've spent so much of my life in this brain fog. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to feel this numbness and this like tiredness and this not being able to concentrate. So, so it be everything, be everything became more healthy because I became more conscious about what I was doing to this beautiful body of mine and of yours and our bodies. And I believe um, as well that we are mistreating our bodies or by putting junk food into it. And then we're like surprised that we get chronic disease, but we've been putting junk food in our beautiful bodies for the last 30, 40, 50 years. And then, oh, I have diabetes. Well, your body has actually for 40, 50 years has been putting up with it and has been dealing with it and has been trying to keep you healthy but at one point it breaks it doesn't break it just gives in like my 
brain tumor. I also think my body gave in to all my stress and all the, like I was, we work stupid hours as doctors, for example. And I think it just said, stop. And if you don't stop by yourself, I will make you stop. So I, yeah, yeah, eventually it will just. Burnout yeah. is the same. Like at one point you cannot move anymore. It's your body saying, stop. You need to change something. Yeah. I also believe, and then I'm going to stop, but I also believe that anxiety, when you become anxious, it's actually your body telling you that you are not doing the things that you actually, that you are aligned with, that you want to do, that you love to do. And I think I, that's your mental health. You're saying to you, this is not you. You are not being you. So I become anxious because this is not, <laughs> this is not who I am. Yeah. So it's actually a beautiful thing to become anxious. It's horrible, but it's, it's a sign. And that's a key piece. When I teach about emotion regulation, for example, I, I teach about emotions and how we have to have them all. They are signals to us. We just need to stop instead of pushing them away because we have this quick fix society. I'm always talking about this where we just want any uncomfortable emotion to go away. And so people will drink or smoke a joint or binge watch TV just to numb out, right? Because they don't want to feel anything. But it's telling us it's a signal for something. Anger is a signal that something important to us needs to be defended, right? It could be someone needs to be or an opinion or anxiety is telling us that, you know, something is going on internally, externally. It doesn't have to be the fear or threat that we think it is, but it's telling us something. Sadness is telling us something. I need support. I need time alone to process everything that's going on in my life, you know, to, to, to process grief or whatever else we need to have these emotions. They're there as a signal. So yeah, that's a great point that you brought up. Uh, Time goes by so fast. I think there's so many different avenues that we could be talking about. Anything else for today's episode that you think is really important that we haven't talked about? I just wanted to to like um, continue on your your what you just said about ang uh, anxiety or sadness or how to deal with it. What I feel uh, helps for me is even now that I'm really like conscious about my feelings, I still often don't take the time to actually process them. And what I found helps me is really going for a walk in nature without a phone, without anybody. And it doesn't have to be for four hours. It can be half an hour because that's the moment you actually give your body and your brain time to maybe think or relax or and it actually it charges you up and you start to notice why you are sad or why you're anxious and being in nature is just also a very good cure against anxiety and that's even proven scientifically so i think it's really important to give yourself the permission to do those things, to actually take the time and to do them. Because otherwise, you know, oh, I'm anxious. 
but you're still not processing it because you haven't taken the time to be instead of to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a great point. And it's great modeling for those people who do have kids as well, right? When I'm feeling this, I'm going to go for a walk. We're just showing, you know, that, that these are some of the things that we can do. Wonderful. I'm, I'm sure there's a gazillion other things that we could talk about for sure. Um, I will make sure in the show notes that I put all of your information if people want to reach out for any coaching or, you know, just kind of check out the work that you're doing. Um, it's been wonderful having you on the show. It's been wonderful being here. Thank you so much. 